Avondale snatch a late draw in a thriller. The Knights get their revenge against Souths. We have a new league leader, and Bran is on the brink of total devastation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Match Week episode 11 of the Semi-Pro Potty. I'm doing very well. Thank you, William. I'm uh, very impressed with your save there straight off the bat from the, uh, oh, the match week episode. And then you threw 11 in there, mate. You, you oh, saved it. You oh. saved it. Yeah. In any other day, world or sphere of things that we care immeasurably about, probably would have corrected me there. But whatever. Match week 11. It's, mate. Look, it's it's the biggest slip up on this podcast. It's like simple mathematics and which match week we're covering. So, look, we've got it in there very early on. Um, now, mate, we've got a ripper episode. Let's just jump straight into it. It's the segment we both love and we both take as equally seriously as each other. Bran, what are you wearing this week for the kit bag segment? I'm wearing a ripper, mate. It is a COVID lockdown special uh, bought during lockdown. It is a Croatia home kit. Big fan of Croatian home kits. One of my favorite sort of Which designs. Year? Is that like the 2014, 2012? I don't know what year it is, actually. I'm not sure. Nike kit, but it's got the classic Croatian checks on it, which I'm a big fan of. One of my favorite kits going around, one of my favorite templates. I feel like all their kits look good. Yeah. I'm very happy with it. I feel like it's a good one to to have in my collection, mate. Uh, but speaking of collections, you've busted something out. What are you wearing? I am wearing an Avondale scarf because I was a bit cold when we started recording this. And I had my Avondale scarf that I got at the game on the weekend on my desk. So that gets it in the kit bag segment. Mate, that's a good, as, as good a reason as any. And mate, can I just say as well, I am very excited to be back. We, uh, we missed last week's episode. Unfortunately, devastating. We did. We took a week off. An yep. unplanned week off. <laughs> yeah, no, unscheduled. I was in South Australia. You were in Queensland. Um, it just, it just that, didn't work out well. That also reminds me, I have to put something in the That's So Semi-Professional section. So, Bran, I'm going to throw to you. Let's jump into the games. Let's you can it. talk us through the first game that you looked at because I need to add something that you did on the weekend to the very semi-professional section of the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to add this to the very semi-professional section of the, of the run shed as well. No, just kidding. Mate, we had some thrilling games to talk about. Uh, the NPL Victoria is very tight, in particularly at the top of the table. The first game that we're going to talk about had big implications on, on that as well. It was the Melbourne Knights taking on South Melbourne. Huge game. Second original Melbourne derby in a week. The two sides met in the FFA Cup as well. Uh, that Cup game was a thriller. So was this one, mate. The first half started off slow. Not much in the way of clear-cut chances for either sides. The second half, though, let me tell you, mate, it exploded. Into action, the Knights took the lead from new recruit Dor Jock. He was signed recently from ECU Jundaloop in WA. Pierce Clark. That's one of my favourite semi-professional clubs, by the way. The the name for it. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a university team. Um, ECU Jundaloop, and it's just great. It's a great name. It almost sounds like it could be like fifth division Dutch. <laughs> and do you know what it actually could be? Absolutely, that is a very good shout. Uh, but he gave, sorry, Jock gave the Knights the lead. Piers Clark, the South keeper, made a great initial save to deny a shot from range from Anthony Duzel. But Jock was in the perfect spot at the right time to bang home the rebound. He'd been on fire in the under-21s as well for the Knights. He'd scored seven goals in two games. That form carried on into the first team when he gave them the lead. Uh, that goal for the Knights, though, really sort of sparked the game into action. It served as a massive wake-up call for South. It really spurred them into action. I thought Jerry Salados had South's best chance of the game shortly after they went behind. He pounced on a sloppy pass and was through one-on-one with the keeper, only to be denied by the foot 
of Melbourne Knights goalkeeper Tom Manos. Full credit to Manos. It was a good save. But to be honest, mate, Toledos really, really should have been scoring that one-on-one. Just needed to lift it over, tuck it past him, do whatever you have to do to put the ball in the back of the net. Couldn't do it. South, though, they did keep up their pressure, keep up the pressure, sorry. Their next big chance came from a good-looking header from Jankovic. But again, mate, Tom Manos made a great diving save to deny him. Excellent goalkeeping from him. We saw in the FFA Cup as well a stoppage time penalty save South in the FFA Cup, but not this time. There was no penalty, no late equaliser to hear of or see or speak of or anything like that. Uh, So the Knights, mate, they hang on for a 1-0 win, extracting some revenge for that FFA Cup defeat. Uh, And South, mate, that was their first loss of the season at the hands of their bitter rivals. Fantastic result for the Melbourne Knights, mate. Big celebrations on the field after the game as well. Showed just how much the win meant to them. It was fantastic to see. They had some great defending at the end too to hold on for the result. Manos did a fantastic job with those two big saves. On the flip side, mate, tough result for South. They'll be disappointed, obviously, their first loss of the season. I think the big disappointment for them, though, was it took them to go behind for them to really fire up and really get a foothold in the game. That Slados chance was massive, really should have been a goal. That was a huge let off there. South had more chances too in the game overall. That Jankovic header, of course, um, was another good one. But, I mean, they they couldn't get the job done tonight. Um, Great performance from the Knights, great result for the Knights. And I have a question for you, mate. If you were South Melbourne FC, would you rather win in the FFA Cup uh, and advance but then lose in the league or would you rather win in the league but lose in the FFA Cup? Remembering that this loss here means that South Melbourne for the uh, first time in a few weeks had an opportunity to fall out of first place. Which one would you rather? Um, Interestingly, I think the way that we're going with sort of NPL Victoria and a national second division and all this, there's a bit of me that wants a lot of these clubs who are really vying for a national second division to start to push that FFA Cup tournament. Like I really do want to see like a non-A-League team win it in the next two to three years. So I think if there was a club that I think could maybe get a big support around it and get a whole lot of people behind it, it could be South. Um, So I think at this stage, it's a really hard one to call because I think they're in a really good position in the league, even with this loss. And I don't think this loss is anything that relates to them losing the league. But... I'd say that they'd be more hungry for the FFA Cup fixtures coming up because, I don't know, it's just a, it'd be a really good badge of honour for them to have, I think, and I think that does motivate a, a big club like South. Great call. Totally agree. And I suppose for, for both sides, you know, they get to share a meaningful win each. So they both go home somewhat happy, I think. But, mate, the loss for South, that had some big implications on the table. That meant that if Avondale won, they would go outright top. Uh, you and I were at this game. You had some good eyeballs on it. What happened in that one? South Melbourne, uh, sorry, South Melbourne, Avondale taking on Hume City. I mean, I wouldn't say I had some good eyeballs on it. I definitely had my eyeballs on it, which <laughs> is just then feeds into my brain of really bad footballing opinions. But um it's exactly what you said. Look, there was a lot on the line for this one. And it's a weird one where you just look at it as this is the type of game Avondale should be getting three points from. Mm. They're up against a good team, but they're at home and they know how to play there and they should be better. Um, and I just, I, I went into that one going, yeah, like you said, they can go top and clear on points if they get three points. And it felt like they would, but all it took was four minutes for Hume to hit the lead through an Andy Brennan goal. Um, four minutes in, one nil to Hume. I was like, oh, okay, this is a bit interesting. Um, but without any panic stations, three minutes later, Avondale would equalize through, I think it was a header at the back post from Valentini from a corner. Um, and from here, Avondale just felt like they were lacking potency up front. So it's 1-1. Neither team would really make the most of their chances until just before the halftime break, Josh Bingham got a shot from the penalty spot, slotted at home. 
I think keeper got a foot to it, but you know, Hume two one up at half time, and I thought they were good for the lead because as good as Avondale were, all their shots were either at the keeper or were they were sort of struggling to get that final third potency that was seen from them. Um, but the second half would have a lot more drama and it would mostly come late. There was a massive own goal by Riccobene, which would give Hume a 3-1 lead. And at that point, that looked unassailable. Um, Avondale looked incapable of creating chances. I was pretty frustrated by the Avondale I've sort of come to watch week in, week out, is get it wide, put in a dangerous ball to your nine-foot striker in Liam Boland. And, you know, they just had none of that. Um so I looked at this as big three points for Hume. I thought maybe there'd be a goal in it, but definitely not what happened, which was Avondale scoring two extra time goals to bring it back to 3-3. And that for mine is just a big point save for Avondale, but two points absolutely thrown away by Hume. Uh, honest to God, I think in the last 10 minutes, it just felt like there was not a lot of chances being created by Avondale, but they had two shots on target pretty much and scored two goals and 3-3, really exciting, dramatic game. Bran, you're obviously very close to the Avondale cohort. What were your thoughts at the end of this one? Were you feeling like it was a good point gained or you should have got three at the start of the day regardless? Oh, it's a bit of a... Bit of a tricky one because overall, to be honest, I thought Avondale were pretty poor on the whole. I thought what you said mm-hmm. was totally correct where they looked a bit disjointed going forward. They just sort of seemed to lack some potency. On the flip side, I thought Hume did a very good job in defence. I totally agree as well with like 10, 15 minutes ago. Didn't look like Avondale were going to score one, let alone two. So in that regard, it is a good point for Avenel to pick up. You know, two goals in stoppage time like that to snatch a draw. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. So you've got to be happy with salvaging a point there. But then at the same time, from the result overall, where a win would have seen them go outright top, it was uh, a little bit disappointing uh, in 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 my opinion. I think, as you said, Hume would be... Very frustrated to blow the lead, but I think Avondale, I mean, a draw still saw him go top of the league, potentially only temporarily. But overall, I mean, it's hard. They'd be happy with a point, but they'd be one and more, mate. Yeah, I agree. I think it was one of those ones where three points could have put them top clear, but no dice. But there is dice in the next game. That's the worst segue we've ever done. Bran, you had a look at Heidelberg and St. Albans playing out a bit of a draw here. Good point for St. Albans. 1-1. Talk us through it. It was. There were more big implications coming up. Can I just say also, I love that in the run sheet, yours says more bug implications. And bug implications sounds totally like a Starship Troopers kind of vibe. It, it sounds like the game got delayed by a spider or bees, neither of which. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah. they count as bugs? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think they're around. Let's not branch. Let's stay in our lane. Yeah, let's stay in our lane here, Brian. Bug or big even implications in this one. The South loss and Avondale's draw meant that if Heidelberg won, that they would go outright top. But as you mentioned, couldn't get it done. It was just a one-all draw. Uh, Pretty even first half. I thought South St. Albans did well to hold their own. Uh, Heidelberg, they did put the ball in the back of the net 15 minutes in, but unfortunately for them, the offside rule exists um, and is enforced in this league, so it didn't count. Uh, both sides were level at the break at nil all. We didn't have to wait long, though, mate, for the game's first goal once play resumed. Uh, calamity at the back for St. Albans allowed Ninkovic to square the ball back to Akata, who touched it home to give Heidelberg the lead. The game, though, mate, after that took a bit of a turn. There was a double dose of double yellow card action. Heidelberg's Dominic Faller was shown two yellow cards in five minutes. Then St. Albans' Adam Hodor was shown two yellow cards in four minutes. So both teams had a player sent off after they received two yellow cards in quick succession. Uh, Man, it was 10 on 10. Heidelberg, though, was still in a position to go out right top with their one goal lead. Spoiler alert, mate, though, it did not last. Jason Hart 
scored for St. Albans in his debut with just seven minutes left in the game. His shot took a big deflection on the way through, but the Saints won't care about that. They all count the same. Heidelberg, sorry, pardon me, Heidelberg pushed for a winner, but uh, ran out of time to find one, mate. It ended all square. For St. Albans, it was a positive result. It ended a pretty torrid run of form. They had lost six straight games before this one. Uh, still, though, they're winless in their last nine, but a point at Heidelberg is a good one to get for St. Albans. For the Burgers, though, a point at home against the Saints is not as good for them. Uh, big opportunity to go top. Unfortunate to concede an equaliser that came via a huge deflection. They'll feel hard done by that. Still, though, 10 games undefeated in the league for Heidelberg. Six wins, four draws. They're still up at the pointy end of the table Will, though, I've got a question for you, mate. Which of South, Avondale, and Heidelberg, all of which who had disappointing results, would be the most disappointed with their performance on the weekend? Yeah, I think, like, if you look at it, we know Avondale aren't at their best. They know they're not at their best. Heidelberg, I feel like, just do not care about the first half of the season. Like, they just... They do it every year. They just finish strong. And so I just don't think they are concerned. But, like, for mine, South have got up to a ripper start of the season. You want to keep an unbeaten run going. It's a weird one where, like, I mean, I know you being a Fulham fan, you won't be able to relate to this, but there's something about an unbeaten run, which is, oh, you look so broken. <laughs> oh, I'd just like to point out, Fulham went on something like a 23-game unbeaten run to get promotion a couple of years ago. But okay, know, well, on, let's talk on. to that. Let's talk to that. This whole thing with an unbeaten run is if you're on an unbeaten run, it feels great to be on it. And then the second you lose, you're like, oh, it doesn't really matter anyway. Like, mm-hmm. it, but it's one of those ones where week yeah. by week, it is very good for momentum, but like, they're not going to be upset being like, oh God, we've only won like our first six, 10, however many games. Yes, Brand, what would you like to say? Well, just recapping. So we talked a lot about, you know, the top of the table implications there. So we'll go through the full table later, but just to go over the top three. So the results meant that Avondale, their draw now takes them on top. They're on 22 points ahead of South Melbourne in second, only by goal difference and South uh, ahead of Heidelberg by goal difference as well. So Avondale, South and Heidelberg all sit on 22 points. Goal difference just separating the three. So, mate, whew, it's tight at the top. It is tight at the top. Um, But there were other games that kind of, I think, were sort of adjacent to this sort of drama going on at the top of the table. And we'd spoken about Dandy City. I'm going to talk about their game with Bentley, but... Dandy City had sort of started to put together some good performances and sadly no wins out of it, just points. Um, But Dandy City absolutely got hammered in the first half by Bentley. Bentley took the lead through Braden Crowley in the 18th minute mark. Uh, That lead was doubled in the 38th minute mark from Yukonis and it was just, it looked like a golfing class between two teams. Um, Bentley were getting in behind very easily and from here, I was a little bit concerned, but then Brady Smith for Danny City pulled one back before halftime with an absolute thunder bastard from about 30 yards. He just absolutely laced it. So we go into the sheds, 2-1 to Bentley, and Bentley definitely looked in control of maybe the first 10 to 15 minutes of the second half, but there was an absolutely barnstorming last 30 minutes from Dandy City. They missed two really good opportunities. I think... Bentley had a good one that was just kind of trickled wide across the goal line. But I was really impressed with Dandy City out of this. They looked hungry and eager to get that equaliser and to get a point out of it. But, man, two really good missed opportunities and Bentley started strongest and I think they took the most of their chances and I think they fully did deserve three points. But, oh, as much as you can't see it on the table, Dandy City are actually putting in, this is, I'd say, about the fifth performance that we've said from Dandy City, which is they're playing well, they're showing a little bit of fire in the belly, but they're just not getting points on the board. Bran, what are your thoughts on Dandy City, what, a third of the way through the season? It's, I don't want to say doom and gloom, but I'm going to say doom and gloom because it is... Bleak. I think the one thing that's always been a disclaimer for Dandy City 
for us so far this year is when we look back to the 2019 season, how they were able to recruit in that transfer window. They brought in those three big A-League names and it totally rejuvenated their squad, gave them a whole different perspective and they were able to to climb out of the relegation zone and survive. I just don't see it happening this time. Like, yes, the transfer window is open now and they could still make a couple of big signings to really bolster their squad, but it is difficult to see how they're going to pull themselves out of this one. I think the one thing that they do find fortunate, um, oh, sorry, that they can find fortunate about their situation is they're not too cut off. Uh, Eastern Lions and St. Albans, who are above them, don't look fantastic either. So there is a light for Dandy City, but I mean, 11 games in, we just haven't really seen enough of them. Like we've seen some good patches for half an hour and some solid performances in defeats, but that's not enough to avoid relegation as a brand of Fulham fan can attest to, mate. Um, <laughs> Bentley, Bentley, though, just quietly as well, four wins on the trot for them. How good are they? They're flying. Yeah, they're great. I'm a really big fan of where Bentley are at and it's what we've probably become accustomed to. Um, with Bentley and so like I said it was almost clinical from them but I was very impressed with the fight that Dandy City showed despite being the situation they're in they're not playing like a bottom of the table side they're just scoring and not getting goals like the bottom table side so but we turn our attention to another green club Green Gully versus Eastern Lions Brand talk us through it yeah, well, this was a good result for Green Gully, a 3-2 win for them over the Beasts from the East, the Lions. Uh, Have we ever called them that? Have they ever been called that? I, it, I will be honest, it was used on the broadcast. I did not call uh, okay. that one. Cool. So for nice. disclosure, we, we will not claim that as our own, but that is fantastic. We will claim triangles for Box Hill United, but we will not claim that. Beasts from the East, they're a great nickname. I can get aboard. Uh, anyway, mate, slightly deceptive game, this one, the 3-2 scoreline. There's a lot to read into it. Green Gully took the lead when Alex Salmon poked home Gully's first. Matthew Fletcher headed home their second just before half time. A terrible turnover in the second half handed Fletcher his second goal on a silver platter. Uh, it also extended Gully's lead to 3-0. Uh, 3-0 down, mate. The Lions seem buried, but they'd actually been pretty good value in this one despite the deficit. I thought them being 3-0 down was a little bit harsh. Sean Kenny had the first big opportunity of the game eight minutes in. He saw his shot hit the crossbar, and Dennis Delury had a great great as well, one-on-one that went just wide. That would have made it, I think, one all at the time. Uh, Later on, though, Ziggy Rizuki did bring one back for the Lions before a ridiculous, ridiculous goal from Charlie Fry in stoppage time from halfway, if you don't mind. An absolute galazzo. He's just running full out of steam, sees the goalkeeper off his line, blasts it from halfway, chips him perfectly. A fantastic finish. Uh, That came in stoppage time, which gave Eastern Lions the faintest of chances. It Ended 3-2, though. Gully get their first win in the league in five games. For the Lions, they're winless in their last five league games as well. But, man, yeah, this was a weird one. I thought uh, Green Gully were... Sorry, Eastern Lions were hard done by to be down 3-0. But then at the same time, 3-2 suggests, like, barnstorming, nail-biting finish. And not really, because they only scored two goals in the 80th minute and then stoppage time. Yeah, and I mean, like, as much as one of of those goals is an absolute gem, and I always use the measure of uh, whether or not I need to... I feel compelled to show my workmates a a goal Mm -hmm. from the NPL, and that's definitely a goal that you show. Uh, Halfway goal, win it back, take it for a little bit of a run, shot on, go. Love it. Brilliant. Yeah, absolute banger. Worthy of winning any game. But unfortunately, they don't give the points out just for uh, for great goals. They give it out for, for wins. So tough luck for the Eastern Lions. Mate, I want to talk about this next game, though. Oakley Cannon. Cannons, even. Oakley Cannons. Plural. Yes, the plural. <laughs> <laughs> Taking on the team who do not have a plural, Dan and on Thunder. What was the result in this one, mate? A plural of goals to each team. Oh, great. Fantastic. <laughs> that's terrible. That's no, so that's bad. Great, this is a great um, trend. Let's keep it rolling. 
Yeah, no, look, I'll be honest with you. This game kind of had everything that you want in a game of football. Uh, goals, cards, pens, you know, a little bit of drama. It had quite a bit of injury time. Um, this is, for mine, an absolutely nailed-on NPL standard of Oakley. Three goals to Dandy Thunders, two. Um, Oakley went 1-0 up halfway through the first half from memory with a lovely flick-on header from a free kick um, before Dandy Thunder equalised. A handful of minutes later, Bernarda with what I like to sort of call it uh, is like an ugly beauty of an equaliser where like it's scrappy, it's sort of pinging around the penalty area and it just kind of gets dotted home. Um, And he had a ripper goal celebration with it too, fly kicking the corner flag. I always like seeing it when players show a little bit of heart, a little bit of passion. Um, But I didn't, truth be told, see any footage for Oakley going 2-1 up. Um, I think it was early in the second half, though. Um, I'm just going to make it up. It was Joe Knowles who scored. I'm going to say it was a Rabona chip of the keeper from halfway. Um, But, you know, until I see footage otherwise, that's what it is in my head. So probably goal of the season, if you consider it. In in for the sake of accuracy, I have seen the highlights. It was not, but yeah. Anyway. Oh, okay. What was it? Sorry. What was it? I haven't seen the highlights for it. How have you not seen the highlights, man? We were watching them before no, the, the game. It, no, it just didn't have it. Didn't have the second goal in the the press package that I watched. Did it yeah. not? It didn't. Uh, You're was, right. It did. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Beg, your, beg your pardon, mate. Oh, my goodness. Don't, don't think I don't take my prep seriously, Branson. Anyway, uh, there was another Joe who would get on the score sheet. Joe Guest slotted home a penalty, 3-1 to Oakley. It's looking insurmountable at this stage. Um, Bernardo would get a spot kick of his own to set up a bit of a tasty finish, but Oakley too good. Um, look, they're at home. Dandy Thunder are definitely not the finished product this year, but they're putting in some entertaining fixtures. They're scoring some goals. Bernarda is a class footballer from what I can tell. Uh, but great chaos to the game, great bit of entertainment. Uh, I think there was a red card to Marafiotti in 90 plus six, which I haven't seen. Again, wasn't in the press package, which made me think, yeah, Brand, you could be more. I have seen that one. I have seen I, that. I, got, I do apologize, mate. You were very correct that the second goal was not in the highlights package. Uh, or on the live stream. Uh, I must have got confused with Joe Knowles first there. So my apologies there. Uh, the red card, though, did see, I think Marifiotti had his, uh, there was a bit of a scuffle and then raised his hands to the face of an opponent. It looked like he had his hand on his neck or something like that. And you yeah, okay. That. So uh, referee, no hesitation, straight red. Yeah, um, Bran, there was one last fixture, though, uh, which probably wanted all of us to put our hands on our heads and just kind of forget this one. Altona and Port Melbourne played out a pretty uh, uninspiring draw. Uh, you had a look at this one, mate. Talk us through it. I did, mate. You know how they say uh, they save the best game. I save the best one to last. Uh, we've we've not done that with, with this game. This wasn't exactly mm. the best game of the round. However, it wasn't all doom and gloom. Uh, I thought Altona, for one of the few times this season, genuinely looked like the better side in this one. They had the best of the attacking chances in the first half and looked more dangerous going forward. Port, on the other hand, were lifeless. Uh, They were the opposite of that. They just had one shot in the first half. It was not on target either. Tough to uh, to score when when that's what happens. But anyway, uh, Altona were rewarded for their attacking endeavours in the second half when Jonas Markowski fired home to give them the lead. That lead, though, mate, it didn't last long. Less than 10 minutes later, the Sharks were level, thanks to a header from John Kowal. Both sides had chances to go on and claim the win, but neither took them. Neither took them. Ended 1-1. Altona still without a win this season. Port uh, on, on their end, mate. It's just another dip in the roller coaster that is their form. It's just up and down, Port Melbourne. Yeah, and we have become accustomed to that. Um, and look, we just don't know where they're going to end up at the end of the season. Mid-table, ninth or 10th, wherever they are. Um, but let's turn our attention through to the ladder. We have got a bit of a bottleneck up the top because of the results this round. Avondale are top on 22 points, shared with South Melbourne and Heidelberg United in second and third, respectively. On 21 points in fourth, we've got the Melbourne Knights. In fifth on 20 points, Bentley Greens. 
And in sixth on 18 points, Oakley Cannons. Uh, heading into the sort of bottom half of the table, Hume City and Green Gully in seventh and eighth on 15 points. Port Melbourne in ninth on 13 points. Dandenong Thunder, three losses on the trot there. See them on 11 points. Tenth and 11th, Eastern Lions and St. Albans are on nine points each. And then holding up the bottom of the table is Altona Magic on six points. Dandenong City on four. Brand, that top of the table is getting congested. There is two points between the top five in Avondale, South Melbourne, Heidelberg, Knights and Bentley Greens. What are your thoughts this far into the season, Brand? Mate, this is why we love the NPL Victoria. Exciting games, excitement at the top of the table. It really is unpredictable. And there's a bunch of teams who could genuinely go on and win this. Avondale are looking, you know, not that not at their best, but uh, they're still up the top. South Melbourne have been firing. Heidelberg just quietly lost their first game since then. Undefeated in their last 10. No worries. They sit third. Uh, the Melbourne Knights, again, they're at the pointy of end of the table, which is always good to see. And Bentley, after a little bit of a slow start, slow start find themselves up in fifth. It's it's great. Two points between them. Like, you know, fifth place can leapfrog into first this weekend. Like, that's just great to see. And then a little bit further down as well, there's only three points separating sixth, seventh, and eighth. So the battle for that, uh, that last final spot is going to be absolutely enthralling, mate. I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. It is. Um, I'm not looking forward to how it all plays out with our tips, but we'll get to that later on. Uh, we did also excitingly, we actually botched this up last episode. We didn't do a preview of the cup. We must have just forgot the cup fixtures were on. Um, but in the time it's taken us to record this podcast, there has been an entire round of cup fixtures. The standout was definitely Melbourne Knights versus South Melbourne, South Melbourne progressing, but we did have the draw for the next round of FFA Cup today. So we have got... A good couple of tasty NPL fixtures here, Brand. Dandy City will be hosting Pasco Vale, who used to be in the NPL. I think they're now what in NPL two or three or one N- or something. NPL, like N- NPL two. Yeah, one of them. Um, Hume City versus Bentley Greens. Uh, the winner of Oakley versus Preston will face Green Gully. Um, That'll be a ripper fixture, particularly if Preston get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, South mm-hmm. Melbourne versus Eastern Lions. Port Melbourne versus Sydenham Park. Moreland Zebras or Moreland Youth will play Lang Warren. And Monbulk Rangers will face FC Clifton Hill. Didn't even know there was an FC Clifton Hill brand. That's pretty close to us. It Could've is. Could for them. Could have. Um, North Geelong Warriors will face Avondale. North Geelong Warriors with the game at home. Brand, what are your thoughts on that draw? Some very good fixtures. It's it's interesting to see how some of these uh, NPL top tier NPL sides facing off will go. I really hope to see you know if Preston Lions do get through over Oakley, they'll face another big opponent in Green Gully as well. And if Preston get through, that would be at home. That would be a mega mega fixture. Another one, the seventh one we read out there, Monbulk Rangers against FC Clifton Hill. They are both state league sides, so that means we're going to have at least one state league side into round seven of the FFA Cup. After round seven, whoever wins advances onto the national stage of the competition as well. So at least one state league side will have a chance at progressing to the national stage, which is very, very exciting, mate. We do love that. Um, Brand, let's turn our attention as well to the NPLW. Um, now, I have been very lax in my preparation for this this week, but you've had a look at some of the games over the last fortnight. Talk us through them. Yeah, we've seen some ripper action in the NPLW, mate. Quite a lot to update since our last episode, of course. Our favourites it. FV emerging are bloody slaying it at the moment, aren't they? They, they are, mate. Um Sorteo Palazzari also had an article about them as well, and there's a lot of chat going on about how well they're performing. So very exciting times. Well, he he did give them a lot of praise, and they're thoroughly deserving of a lot of praise. They were, of course, um, uh, senior NTC, or that was their entity. They've got a a different squad now, but it's fantastic to see a, a development side who across the MPL leagues, sorry, in the MPL leagues across Australia are notoriously average. So it's fantastic to see them 
doing very, very well. We've got a lot to go through since our last episode. A lot's happened, mate. So to round out round three, I believe we were doing the show live when round three was playing out. On that last episode, South were playing FV Emerging. Emerging would go on to win that one 5-0. An absolutely stunning, stunning result for them. South Melbourne, who had been on fire up to that point as well. Berlin, they were also in action. They got into the win column for the first time with a 7-0 victory over Box Hill. Match day four of the MPLW season saw some more big results, but not much in the way of surprises. Calder United were 5-0 winners over Heidelberg, which we sort of would expect. Alamein lost 3-2 to Berlin. Berlin getting their second win on the trot. Bayside were no match for South Melbourne. South Melbourne running out 5-1 victors. And FV Emerging kept up their great form with a 6-2 win over Box Hill. But, mate, that brings us up to match day five, the last week end of fixtures. The first one I want to tell you about is South Melbourne taking on the Triangles. South Melbourne coming out 3-1 victors over Box Hill. Uh, they dominated this one, did South. Sophia Sakelis. Gave the Lakesiders the lead 12 minutes in. Yana Lawson tapped home across to give South their second. They were 2-0 up at the break. Sakalis made it three shortly after play resumed in the second half. Full credit to Box Hill, though. They did get a consolation goal thanks to a superb run, a fantastic piece of individual brilliance from Anais Yosefsky. A comeback never really felt likely, though. South went on to claim their fourth win of the campaign in dominant fashion. Uh, they were dominant. I, I just said that, but they really were. South outshot Box Hill 24-5 to overall. Box Hill, the mighty triangles, were just uh, outmatched in this one, mate. But moving on to the next game, which was another very interesting result, FV Emerging, who had been on fire, they suffered their first defeat of the season. They lost 3-0 at the hands of Alamein. The emerging side were hit by a couple of big injuries before the game, and it proved to be too much for them to overcome. Annabelle Haffenden, Haffenden sorry, uh, headed home Alamein's first. Katrina Nickpaw was in the perfect position to tap home their second after a bit of a howler from the emerging keeper. Sorry, pardon me. And Elena Vatke netted Alamein's third with a long-range banger. So 3-0 victory for Alamein. Emerging, though, Caitlin Carriage looked dangerous in attack for Emerging. It just wasn't her day. She had a number of chances, a number of good shots on goal, but just couldn't find the back of the net. But, mate, great win for Alamein, their second win of the season. First loss for Emerging, as we said, but they'll take away some positives. They still look threatening, still look dangerous in that performance, and, of course, plagued by injuries. But that brings me to the third game, Heidelberg United taking on Bayside. Big win for the Burgers, as the scoreline suggests. This one was all Heidelberg. Danielle Wise netted a first-half brace to have the Burgers 2-0 up at halftime. They continued the strong performance in the second half. Sydney Allen and Bonnie Davis scored one goal each, and Wise picked up her third to claim her hat-trick. Rachel Sturton did score for Bayside. She scored their lone goal, but it was not enough. 5-1 defeat for Bayside. Unfortunately, they are still without a win so far this season. They sit at the bottom of the table, mate. Heidelberg, however, they picked up their second win and they move back into the top four, at least for now, because there is one game still to come this match day. Bulleen taking on Calder at the time of recording, mate. That game hasn't played out. If Berlin win, they will move back into the top four. This will be a fascinating game. Uh, Berlin, uh, sorry, Calder, powerhouses of the WMPL in recent form. Berlin equally as strong. Both of them have looked a little bit more vulnerable this year, so it'll be a good win to get for either side. Whoever loses will be, of course, in a little bit of trouble, mate. But with all of that, if we take a look at the table, here's how things stand. We have Effie emerging on top of the table. They're on 12 points, four wins and one defeat. Right behind them, South Melbourne in second place, also on 12 points, just behind on goal difference. Calder United sit in third on nine. If they get a win over Berlin, though, that would take them top of the table with their three points and their superior goal difference. 
Heidelberg, for the time being, are in fourth on seven points, two wins, one draw and a loss for them. They're ahead of Alamein, also on seven points, just by goal difference. Berlin Lions are in six on six points. A win, as we said, would take them into the top four. The Triangles, they sit seventh. They've got three points, one win and four defeats. And Bayside United are at the bottom of the table, winless in their five games, mate. But that uh, that is our, our wrap-up of the MPLW, mate. Yeah, nice. I'm very glad that you did some prep for that. I do want to do it every week. And there are just some cracking goals and some cracking games going in. It is obviously a, a shorter season and there's more often than not quite a lot more goals. But, mate, that's what we're all here for. Absolutely. And just quickly as well, this week was female or is still, sorry, female football week as well. So it's good to give the NPLW plenty of uh, plenty of airtime on the semi-pro party. It certainly deserves it, mate. Uh, is that a coincidence with Mother's Day? Like, are we just doing like a, a just a general appreciation week for like, you know, I always think about mum taking me to soccer games. That would have sucked. Mm, like that I'm was cold sure. in the middle of winter. But, I don't know yeah. if there is a tie-in with Mother's Day, but happy Mother's Day to all the mums out there. I know my mum listens. I know your mum listens. So if there are any other I think mothers... my mum stopped. I think my mum stopped oh, listening. My mum oh, no. just, yeah, I don't like, I mean, I don't blame her, but yeah. I think She's my not mom... Carla. Well, I think my mum literally listens only because she wants to out-tip us and then uh, get to brag that <laughs> not she hard. knows more. <laughs> not, oh, absolutely not hard. Um, that she gets very excited or, or not very yeah. excited. She's very proud that she uh, is better than us at tipping. So, But happy happy Mother's Day, mum, and all the other mums out there, mate. Yeah, well done. Um, look, let's go and have a little bit of a break, Brand, and we'll jump back into part two very shortly. Hey, Brand, mate, welcome back to part two of the Match Day 11 episode of the Semi-Pro Potty. Second half, let's jump into it. That's so semi-professional. Brand, what did you find this week that was a bit semi-professional? I saw some good stuff this week, mate. The first one I want to get to, mate, we always talk about how much we love seeing goalkeepers in Hats. Well, we saw something even better in the FFA Cup. Melbourne Knights goalkeeper, I can't say his first name, Hrovje, H-R-V-O-J-E. Oh, man. Hrovje? I'm wearing a Croatia shirt. I can't nail it. I do apologize. Go on. Kakarun. H. Kakarun. Yeah. He is the Melbourne Knights goalkeeper, backup goalkeeper, and he came on as a sub, as an outfield player in the FFA Cup for the Knights. That's what we love to see. Goalkeepers, not only yeah. hats, but goalkeepers I, just going, do you know what? We're footballers too. I never considered Give how much run. I would Get us in the outfield. Here if we go. a goalkeeper went out as an outfield player wearing a hat. Like, is that even legal? Like, an outfield player is allowed to wear hats? I'd lose my shit. And would you wear, like, a bucket hat so you oh. can still pull off a header? Because a cap <laughs> would be pointless. Cap would be difficult to do, yeah. A wide a legionnaires? No, no, that would be no good either because that's still a cap. Um, but yeah, mate, I absolutely loved. Yes, to see that. Um, I've got one semi uh, professional brand doing scoreboard updates at Avondale. Um, just either late, wrong, forgot to do it some of the time. Um, it was just a real shit show from you, mate. If I'm honest. Well, we got there in the end. There was the occasional moment when I pushed the wrong button. It's a difficult job your, when you do a lot of tweets and scoreboards and hanging out with mates all at the same time. But That's right. Okay. Good. Not quite match day coordinator. So in in, in, hey, in that situation, if, doing the scoreboard does, does count. I would love it that. if but there uh, was yes, a I would, I, I match day coordinator you. at some of the A-League games, particularly around VAR on the weekend brand, because you picked one that I thought was a cracker. Yeah, there was a, a VAR call and the angle, the, some of the angles that they've used throughout the year, like for offside, have been ridiculous. They're from like the wrong angle. They're on the edge of the frame. You can't see anything. Uh, but this was another good one. It wasn't for an offside call, but there was an angle uh, that came from, it was zoomed in. It was a pixelated zoom in from absolutely miles away from a camera behind the goals 
couldn't see anything. And then just to make it even worse, because it's from behind the goals, the net is visible within the shot. So it's just like, I get VAR, you want to explore every angle possible, but that was an absolutely terrible angle. You, they, they showed the replay and you're like, what am I looking at? How are we expected to see anything from this? Uh, and it also just highlights the... Uh, the state of the broadcast yeah. coverage in the A-League. And, like, I'm okay with them to... Facilities available. So okay, I'm not okay with it, but, look, I understand that Fox Sports doesn't care and they want to save money to the stream back cameras, but pull VAR out. Like, if it if it's a feature that hinges on there being cameras available for a certain amount of coverage to make these bullshit-type decisions, then if you're going to pull the cameras out of it and you're going to pull the infrastructure that mm. makes it serviceable then just get rid of it altogether like get, put it in the bin put it in the bin uh, look yep. and this is my thing yep. I, i'm Mate, actually really you don't like what ever is since the super league thing probably even like a little bit before very disenfranchised with professional football i love the a league because as much as it is fully professional it's still pretty a league which is great but like, I tried to watch some European football over the weekend and, like, I watched a bit of Champions League last week and I just don't know. I'm I'm not sure if it's just that the players are too good or it's too sterile or it's too fucking overproduced, but I'm just a bit over professional football at the moment. It's... Yeah, for me, it's lost a bit of soul. When you're talking about the Champions League, the last four teams, so Man City, Chelsea, Real Madrid, and PSG. So three of of them are, you know, Super League breakaways. Chelsea owned by Roman Abramovich, Russian gas Mm -hmm. money. Uh, PSG owned by Qatar. Saudi. Uh, Man City owned by the UAE or something. Oh, I just don't care Um, anymore. Like, I'm finding finding it hard. Like, I... Yeah. yeah, and like I woke up yeah, and I watched and the Real, Liverpool game Real Madrid, on Real what was it, Sunday morning or something, and I just I've had so many fond memories of watching Liverpool, and like even when we were like shit and all of these great memories, but just finding it a lot harder to care about it after all that Super League nonsense and just the product of the product of football at the moment. It just does feel like it's mm. no longer for the fans, and you know I just I'm a bit over yeah. professional football. That's what I think semi professional is professional football. Yep. There we go. I love it, mate. I mean, my club's not responsible for trying to destroy the game, but yours is, so uh, you can live <laughs> with that one, mate. Boom, brand firing shots. Um, Something I saw, <laughs> something that I saw that was uh, quite semi-professional. You mentioned it before, Bernada from Dandenong Thunder. When he scored his goal, and went and celebrated a great double flying kick of the corner flag. But the thing that I found rather semi-professional about it was uh, he scores the goal in front of his away fans, but then runs past them all to go and celebrate with the corner flag. I thought that was maybe a little bit uh, little, little bit semi-professional. I thought it would have been a perfect opportunity. You score a great goal, you bring your side level, go celebrate with your away yeah, fans. Okay, thank God I didn't notice that he ran past the so I thought that was maybe a little that. bit semi-professional. Um, if, you've got, if, you've got the, yeah, if you've got the binary choice of kicking a flag but it was still a good celebration. Fans, you'd probably pick celebrating with your fans. Um, Bran, another thing that is semi-professional this so. week is not Fulham. Fulham aren't semi-professional. They are inherently professional. But you being so sure at the top end of the season that Fulham were not going to get relegated and just at no point was I ever under the illusion that they wouldn't get relegated. So just it's not even Fulham as semi-professional mm. this week. It's that your opinion of Fulham's is semi-professional. <laughs> this has been rough. Fulham so are not again, relegated. At the time of recording, at the time of recording, Fulham are no, we are not officially relegated. We are playing tomorrow at five AM Australian Eastern Standard Time, which I'm also thrilled at the idea of waking up at five in the morning to watch my club get potentially relegated. <laughs> That's just going to be a nice way to cap off the season. But yeah, this one's just sucked because I was. So, so this will be the third time if Fulham do go down that I've seen them get relegated. Each of them have sucked. But this time I thought we were different from the teams of the past. I thought we looked not too good to get relegated, but I thought when we were, yeah, I don't know. It sucks, man. I thought we had enough there, had enough going our way to be able to avoid it. But since the international break, our form's just been terrible. 
And then, yeah, the teams above us have just been not winning good games yeah. and we've just been, you know, unable to hit our stride. Yeah, so, mate, unfortunate. Hopefully, though, Fulham, eternal optimist, if they win all four of their last I think there's games, something about that with their last four well, games. Like, they win still all our four remaining games. We get five. I think we got five or something because the Manchester game was canned. We get Champions League, but I'm like, oh, we don't deserve Champions League, so whatever. Um. Anyway, one last one that I wanted to flag for some professionalism was you had, we had a week off last week and hard earned break for you, Bran. You had a, where did you go on holiday? Ah, South Australia. I was in Kangaroo Island mate, I for a bit of a family from. reunion. Bloody the, the homeland. Yes. Um, yeah. You came, well, I came to the soccer on Sunday and Saturday and just you launched into all of these fucking stats about Kangaroo Island and one of them absolutely piqued my interest. You were like, Kangaroo Island is the same size as Bali and on any other given day I'd be like, whatever, I don't care. But I was like, that sounds like utter bullshit. So in the semi-professional corner this week, I'm having Brand spitting out stats about Kangaroo Island that we then fact-checked to be completely incorrect. Yeah, it, look, it was unfortunate. I someone told me that stat, and I did, you know, to my fault, did not double check it myself. But it was like the the ferry over to Kangaroo Island was on like the tourist video. Someone told me that, and apparently they're wrong. Um, uh, for those playing at home, Kangaroo Island is one thousand square kilometer kilometer kilometers. Oh yeah, my goodness, one thousand square knew. kilometers smaller than <laughs> Bali. So uh, I was. I was very thrilled to break out that um, stat. Things we like, Brian, let's um, jump into it. What wrong. did so you like out of the last, pretty much, what, two weeks of football? Yeah, I saw three things that I liked, mate. The first was the uh, the scenes of celebration at Knight Stadium after their win over South Melbourne in the league. There were junior players on the pitch, uh, the whole team, then ran over to celebrate with the home fans as well. It was just great to see um, everyone get around it. Everyone celebrate a big win. You could see how much it meant to them. And then on the flip side as well, when South Melbourne won in the FFA Cup, it was also great to see those celebrations with their home fans at Lakeside. But it's just great to see that passion in the NPL and in those, you know, lower tier teams. It just uh, fills me with confidence about the the future of football at, uh, you know, at, uh, with the prospects of a, a second division and for the health of the NPL Victoria as a whole, mate. Uh, the other things that I saw that I liked, Raleigh Dobson. She is the Melbourne City player who famously got engaged on the pitch after her last ever W League game in which she scored the winner, if you don't mind. Uh, she became the first female to play in the FFA Cup. Uh, she played for Bulwara Lawn Bush Rangers in the Northern New South Wales FFA Cup qualifiers. Unfortunately, they did lose 13-0. But, yeah, she was the first female to play in the FFA Cup. I thought that was fantastic. The last thing I saw that I liked, touching on your uh, your point before of being sort of over professional football, um, I like that PSG and Juve, uh, Juventus, are a little bit crap. Juventus are Fifth on the table, they'd won nine straight Serie A tables. They're fifth. Inter have already sealed, uh, already clinched the Serie A title, but Juve on track to not even make the Champions League. Yeah. And this was a team that wanted to be in the Super League with no relegation. It's like, all right, ease, ease up, fellas. PSG, I mean, to their credit, they did not join the Super League, but they're still owned by Qatar, so they're not exactly much better than anyone else. Um, they... The title is now out of their control. Lille have a chance to win the French League. PSG, they've won seven out of the last eight French League titles. So it's good to see some of those big clubs have been dominating. I also just, think that there's uh, a big love for that. For, so I'll probably go into that. like, you know, that uh, that Inter win. Uh, you heard like stories of, um, oh, what's his name, Lukaku, like going out in the street and celebrating by like driving his car around, he's hanging out the sunroof and and all of these things. I'm like, I don't know, man, I just yeah. really love Antonio Conte as a manager. Like some of the things that he says, like I was heard on like I think mm. the football ramble had it a couple of weeks ago. Apparently when 
he because he took Juventus to the start of their nine uh, Scudetto uh, run, and in the first season that he was there, he's like, "Aren't you guys all a bit sick of being shit?" Because they just kept not winning it, and then next year they, well, that year they went and won it, and at the end of the season, Gianluigi Buffon comes up to him and they'd sealed it with like five games to go. And Gianluigi Buffon comes up to him and goes, oh, boss, uh, can we talk about bonuses now that we've won the league? (laughs) And Conte apparently turns to him and just says, every time you open your mouth, you disappoint me. (laughs) Which is just the most over, like, for like an Italian goalkeeping legend (laughs) to be spoken to like that. Like, I just love that. So Antonio Conte winning things is one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, quick ones, yeah. surprising you at like, football was quite fun. You looked very giddy and happy about that. and It was a lot of fun. Uh, we haven't been to football together for quite some time, so that was a lot of fun. And adding to that, Avondale's food offering, I don't want to say it, but it puts them up the pointy end of the food in the NPL table for the $15 meal deal challenge. You've got two options for the $15 meal deal challenge. There's like two Italian pork sausages in a roll with some sort of stewed vegetables and a beer, Peroni, 15 bucks, or a chicken schnitzel roll, which is like nine chickens crumbed in a roll with the excessive amount of food. But yeah, Avondale, food offering, if you haven't been out there, has absolutely improved. Absolutely. They've uh, done some good things at the canteen. Still a little bit of work to catch up to the Oakley and Dandy cities in terms of uh, canteens. But, mate, that brings us to the next section, the preview section, taking exactly. a look ahead. Exactly. We'll look, what we'll weekend. do is we'll rattle through the fixtures, brand. We'll do down. our tips while we do it because we are going long. So we have got on the Friday night two games. First game. Brand. I want to. I've put mine down in the run sheet. I want to know what you think this one's going to be. Port Melbourne versus Green Gully. What are you thinking for this one? Um, I would lean towards a draw. I reckon. I I can see your tips in the run sheet. I did the tips last week. I only got three, mate. So I'm happy to defer to your tips for all of this week. I had my crack. Did not cover myself in glory. Uh, so I will leave it to you, but this will be an interesting one. Uh, Port Melbourne, hot and cold. Green Gully, I think, should get the job done, but Port Melbourne at home? Yeah. Um, <laughs> hard the to other say. Friday night game is Bentley Greens versus Knights. Now, I've gone with Knights. I think, why not? <laughs> yeah, well, they've been in good form. I mean, Bentley have been in good form too. They've won four in a row, but the Knights... Coming off the back of that strong win against South Now, Mate, this is the fixture that I'm most looking forward to. Eastern one. Lions versus Dandy City, Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. Bran, tell me your honest thoughts on this one because this is kind of a bottom half of the table cellar dweller versus someone who's sort of dropping back in the table. What are your thoughts? I think that for Dandy City, they they need to start showing something. They're not out of time. There's still plenty of games left. They're by no means cut off down the bottom yet, as we said. But, you know, when you look at where is their first win going to come from, you're looking at those teams at the bottom. They didn't beat Altona. If they're not going to beat Eastern Lions, mm. it's sort of like, man, who are they, who are they going to take points off? So I think there's a lot on the line for Dandy City. Eastern Lions, we've been... You know, pr- uh, pretty impressed with them at stages this year. If they can get the win here, that just sort of takes them a step above the relegation ex- zone, extends that gap, and really sort of shows that, like, yep, we are a red. I'm going Dandy City just because, so, again, I was different? really impressed by the heart they showed in in their performance this week. And prior to this week, they had five sort of draws on the trot, I think it was, and they were starting to look like, are they going to get a win? And I just think if they're going to get a win. I don't necessarily think that they will get a win here, but if they're going to get a win, I think this is the one to do it to do it in. Um, so yeah, I'm going Dandy City. All right, let's jump over. Same time on Saturday, Avondale hosts South Melbourne. This is a stonking fixture. Brand, what are your thoughts? Top of the table clash. Plenty on the line in this one. I. 
don't know what to make of it. Uh, ahead of last week, I would mm-hmm. have tipped Avondale with a lot of confidence, but seeing the way that they played against Hume, I'm quite uncertain, to be honest. They didn't look that good against Hume. They were a little bit unlucky to concede, what was it, a penalty and an own goal to go down 3-1, but they didn't exactly light the world on fire with their performance against Hume. South, though, as well, uh, you know, I wasn't thrilled with the way that it took them to go behind before they started showing something against the Knights. So I think that they'll need a, a, a better performance than that if they want to get a... I mean, they didn't even get a point out of the last game, but they'll need to be better than that against Avondale. Man, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm just excited for it, to be honest. I think it's going to be great. Okay, Top well, of then the in that league, case, I've gone south because I think Avondale were great. absolutely abject for about 60 minutes of that game. So... <laughs> The next Saturday fixture that we have, 5.30, Hume City versus Heidelberg. Bran, what are your thoughts? Again, another interesting one. Hume looks good in defence against Avondale. They'd be disappointed to throw points away. Heidelberg, you know, they're right at the top of the of, of the league too. With Avondale and South facing off, they'll have a really good chance to go on top as well, depending or outright top, sorry, depending on the result there. So they'll be out to uh, to uh, impress and make up for those drop points against St. Albans. I'm leaning towards Absolutely Heidelberg. Absolutely correct, Paul. I've tipped Heidelberg in that one for side, exactly mate. the reason you just mentioned. I think that they've got the ability to maybe pounce on that Avondale-South Melbourne result, whichever way it goes. Uh, Dandy Thunder also kick off on Saturday night at 7 p.m. hosting Altona Magic. Bran, I've gone for Thunder for this one. Thoughts? Totally agree. Thunder have looked exciting in their last few games. They've shown that they're capable of scoring goals. Uh, Bernard has been on fire as well. I think he scored seven so far this year. The Magic, we are sick of them. Not sick of them, but like I've been waiting for them to turn the corner. They haven't really shown much that they are likely to do that. They did look the better of the two sides against Paul, but nah, no confidence. Nice, and the St. Albans Saints so host Oakley Cannons. Branson, I'm going to pretty much say there's one choice in this one, and who are you tipping, and why is it Oakley Cannons? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the Oakley Cannons, and the reason is I just think they'll have too much firepower for... For St. Albans, St. Albans, in their defence, they do seem to be better at home. The two games they got absolutely dropped in against Port and Hume, they came on the road. They do seem to be a different kind of team uh, when they're playing at Churchill Reserve on their home turf. Still, though, I think Oakley will be too good. They're a better team. They're so dangerous. Joe Guest, Joe Knowles, uh, Matt Thurtell, I just, I like... Excellent. Uh, we've got some very good, and I think WNPL NPLW is what we're going with, isn't it? NPLW fixtures as well. On Friday night, we have got Calder United hosting FV Emerging. That is going to be an absolute cracker. On Saturday, we have got three games kicking off around about three three fifteen. Uh, Alamein hosting Box Hill United, the Mighty Triangles. Uh, Heidelberg United hosting South Melbourne. That will be a cracker. And Bayside United hosting Bulleen. Bran, that is us done. We'll submit our tips. We'll see how we go. Um, I'm at Chambershire on Instagram and you're at Branson Gibson on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at SemiProPotty. We also have an email address, show at SemiProPotty.com that we frequently check, I swear. Um let us know what games you're going to and keep being some professional. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us for the Match Day 11 episode of the Pro Podcast.